Welcome to the Events Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Taylor, and each week I talk with event professionals and entrepreneurs about how they plan, promote, and run their events. We help you build your events empire by growing your business using live events. Whether you're running community meetups or conferences, trade shows, and other events, we focus on finding actionable tips that you can use straight away. We want you to get more attendees, produce epic events, make more money, and most importantly, to do it all with no stress. This podcast is sponsored by EventsFrame. Check it out over at eventsframe.com. Make the switch from Eventbrite today to our amazing ticketing and registration system with no ticket fees. Most ticketing systems charge you a minimum of 3% of the ticket price, but we just have a flat, low fee with no ticket fees and no restrictions. There's literally no system out there that is cheaper than EventsFrame. It's also super easy to use and you can embed your tickets in your website or you can use our own website builder, which is really simple. We have amazing options to apply all kinds of discounts on all the features you'd expect from a much more expensive system like QR code check-in. Go to eventsframe.com, that's E-V-E-N-T-S-F-R-A-M-E.com for a free, no-risk, one-month trial. Hi, Dan here, just jumping in to say, uh, just to give a quick update really on what, what I'm up to. So it's now August the 15th. I'm actually heading off to Seattle next week. Really excited about that. We're running uh, a Google Summit in Seattle. I think it's the fourth one we've run. If, check it out, seattle.appsevents.com. So that's, that's next week. We've got um, a pretty big event. I think we've got about 150 teachers coming in from uh, across Washington and even, even from California and, and Oregon. So it's going to be really great. I'm actually running the event. It's interesting. You know, nowadays, I don't run many events directly myself, but we've just got so much going on in the US right now that I'm actually going in to help actually manage this on the ground. So I'll give you, I might even do some live podcasting from the event, but I'll give an update afterwards for sure. So doing that, and then uh, we're going to do a quick road trip down to Oregon. I've got my, as I mentioned, I think I've got my wife and son with me, so should be a great little holiday. And then I'm attempting to climb Mount Rainier with my friend Piersy. So it's a three-day trip organized by Alpine Ascents. Been training quite a lot for it, bought a lot of kit, so really hope we achieve it. But I'll give you an update on the podcast as as to how it all goes. And then a few days in Seattle with, with Piers and Anne, my good friends, and then back to Prague. So exciting time. Uh, as of this week's podcast, I want to bring back an interview I did with Chris Ducker. Now, Chris is a real superstar online, and, and we released this interview about six months ago, and we've grown quite a bit, so I want to bring it out again because I think it's a really interesting podcast for people. Chris, uh, he's done a lot of things. He's an expert on outsourcing. I first met him in Cebu. We'll get into how we all met. But uh, Cebu, Philippines, uh, where I've got a, a team for apps events. But he's really branded, uh, sort of morphed from being like the outsourcing guy to being the personal branding guy. He wrote a book, Rise of the Youpreneur. He runs a huge conference uh, in the UK called the Youpreneur Summit. Uh, before that, he did a tropical think tank, which was a, a sort of high price, high-end mastermind uh, at a beach resort in, in the Philippines. He's done lots of live events. Uh, he's basically built his, his career based on them. So super interesting guy. And I want to bring back this interview. But yeah, again, just to jump in, I hope um, people are enjoying the podcast. Please, if you get a chance, leave us a review. Go to iTunes. Five stars obviously would be amazing, but a review would really help. It shows us uh, what people want. Let me know any comments, things you'd like different. Uh, we read them all. Uh, and if you send us an email, uh, dan at eventsframe.com or dan at the eventspodcast.com. I reply to every email. So all the best. And here is the interview. 
Hello and welcome to the events podcast. This episode's a little bit different from my point of view. I'm away from my comfy studio with my kind of boom arm and my compressor and my twin 27-inch screens. I'm I'm in an Airbnb in Amsterdam, which is really great. I've got my wife and young son here. We had a Google event yesterday, so we're, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast, but we're a Google PD partner, which means professional development. And we had a meetup of all the PD partners yesterday at the Google office in Amsterdam. And it was interesting because uh, normally uh, I was just going to come and attend like everyone else, but then they dropped it on me two days ago that I, I had to present. And I, I think I felt it was like a good sign because like three years ago, it would have freaked me out completely, but actually that... I was like, cool, I'm going to get, to, everyone's going to know who I am, you know? So it was great. I presented, it went well, I think. Uh, and now I've got a free day. And um, apart from talking to Chris, so on the microphone is someone who needs no introduction, Chris Ducker uh, from youpreneur.com and chrisducker.com. He's someone I've followed for a long time and, I, and I've actually met in person on a few occasions. He's the author of several books, uh, including uh, Youpreneur um, and several books on outsourcing. So a huge welcome to the podcast, Chris. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Great. So, Chris, I want to start off by taking you back to 2013 mm. when I met you um, in the first place. Now, the backstory is I just started my business in 2012. You know, we're running a bunch of events for teachers focused on using Google. And I hired my first employee through a service you had, which I believe you still do have, um, which uh, an outsourcing service which allows you to recruit people from uh, the Philippines. Yep. And Virtual Starfinder. Yeah, VirtualStarfinder.com. Yeah. Uh, and so I went out there to, to Cebu. I hired my first person. And actually, the first person didn't work out. I had a um, Vonnie, very nice girl, but just a lot of, you know, you know when people talk about that kind of stereotype, bad experience, I, I kind of had that, you know, in you know, every family member dying twice and things like that. And it was just, it just didn't work out. But actually, you were great. And, and actually, you know, when I look back over these messages, I'm, I'm a bit embarrassed because I was a bit, I was kind of stressed about the whole thing. And, and, and to your credit, you were just super calm and you were like, look, don't worry, you know. And, and just, just to take it full circle, that the second two people I hired through you, Jane and Gwen, are both still with me, both since 2013. Um, it's amazing. You know, Gwen, Gwen's been here the longest. We, in, in that time, we both had children and bought houses. And so, yeah, I guess a big thank you as a starting point because I've got two of my longest serving employees, which are both through you. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I mean, you know, the, the, the funny thing is that the service was put together. Um, I mean, we're going back to August 2010, we launched yeah. that business. So it's been around for a long time already, coming up on almost nine years. And when we first put that business together, it came out of a blog comment, literally. Somebody commented on the blog saying, if there was a service where I could find qualified, experienced VAs, um, I'd pay for that. Like, you know, and have them as part of my team, like I'd pay for it. Yeah. And so obviously the alarm bells went <laughs> yeah. on, on inside the entrepreneurial brain. And two weeks later, literally, we launched it with a very kind of minimal viable product. I think there was like three pages on the website, yeah. uh, something along those lines. And, and we started working with people and obviously clearly with, you, with yourselves as well. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Like you said, with the first one, it didn't quite work out. We do have a very good stick rate. I think we're at around about sort of 80 or so percent, give or take a little bit, that the first hire does work well. Um, but great. every now and then it doesn't. And yeah, the the you know the grandma dying three times and all that kind of crap, like I, I get it totally. Um, but the fact of the matter is it worked out for you in the long run and here you are yeah. and you rock and roll and that's what it's all about. But nice. I, I always love hearing those kind of stories about Virtual Starfinder because yes, I still do own and operate it. But 
I probably spend less than one hour a month on that business now. And it still makes really, really good money for me as the owner of the company. So it's it's nice to get those bits of feedback. It's nice to see how things are working without me basically involved at all. And uh, I always like to sort of, you know, I have a little internal cheer whenever I hear stories like that. It's good. Great. And actually, when I when I hired the first staff, um, you were on a, you were recording your YouTube journey of becoming a virtual CEO. So you were. Um, I, I was so you just to take everyone back. You had a co-working space back then called Location Sixty Three, yes. which is pretty cool. Yes. And actually, by this time, my team have worked in because co-working spaces keep coming and going in Cebu like crazy. You know, we just moved again actually to a new one called the Company in in IT Park. Which is, yeah, I, I, I turned up there, and it was a really cool trip for me actually because just randomly Dan Andrews turned up from uh, Tropical MBA and ended up interviewing yeah. me for his podcast, which is cool. You just turned up like the same time, like just randomly. You didn't know anyone was going to be there. And I went for lunch with you at that great Mexican restaurant in um, Crossroads Mall. And uh, it was cool. Yes. The, the whole thing was a yeah, great Maya. experience. That, that was the name of the place, Maya. I love that place. Yeah, is it still there? It is very much still there. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I'll be honest. I mean, I often joke and, and say that if it wasn't for Maya and the other four or five restaurants that all make up what they what's known as the Abaca group of restaurants, yeah. uh, zoned by an American chef, if it wasn't for those restaurants, I probably would have left Cebu a few years earlier than I ended up. Yeah. No. Um, because I tell you, I mean, Maya is honestly probably one of the best Mexican restaurants I've ever eaten anywhere in the it's world. It's really in. good. Um, and there's a great bakery, they which they open, uh, isn't it, next door as well. And I tell you, hands down, they make the best <laughs> mojito I've ever tasted anywhere on the planet. They're, they're an unbelievably uh, well-run restaurant group. So, yeah, if it wasn't for them... This English boy would have returned to England a lot earlier than he did. <laughs> it's, uh, it's interesting, you know. I am um, Cebu's part of my life. I've, I go there almost every year now. I'm going to be out there again with with the family, um, and it's just crazy to see the changes. It, it's um, it's funny, you know. Actually, Jane, we need, I need you to give a shout out to Jane if you don't mind, who I hired through you back in 2013. She's a huge fan of yours, actually. So you, you, I guess you know you've got fans in the Philippines as well as in in the UK and America. <laughs> I do. Well, hello, Jamie. Thank you very so much. So Jane, for sorry, off. Jane. Jane? Jane, yeah, sorry, Mike. See, now, look, now you look like you don't know your own stuff. Exactly. How's that feel? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, hello, Jane. Thank you very much for looking after Dan so well. And uh, mabuhai, that's all I can say. But, I mean, I, you know, I'm aware, actually, very aware that there is somewhat of a bit of a fan base for me over in the Philippines. And it's, it's nice. We used to put on a lot of events over there for the Filipino VAs. But to be honest with you, and, and I'm being, like, really, really frank – um, we had a problem in Manila. We ran one particular event in Manila, yeah. uh, where it sounds like a, it sounds a little egotistical to be telling this story myself, but no, no, it's good. Stories like this are the best. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, we, we, we had about 150 people registered, um, VAs from basically all over pretty much Manila. And, and although they will travel on a bus or a jeepney or, or a car in some variety, they'll rarely get on an airplane for this sort of type of stuff. So it was all very much kind of Manila based. We turned up, we put on a great workshop, two or three of my, my own VAs spoke about what it's like to work with me and work with our clients. And then I sort of came along with this sort of like a one hour Q and A at the end and kind of, you know, fired up a whole of a whole bunch of questions and everything with everyone did a whole bunch of selfies and all that sort of fun stuff. And then we got down to the lobby of the hotel and it was mental. There was right. probably about another hundred people had turned up 
and it became very out of control very quickly. And I had my staff there with me. I had my wife there with me. I'm not talking about anybody coming at me or anything like that. But it was just too big of a crowd, A, for the lobby of the hotel, because it was a relatively small hotel. We would do these events for free. We wouldn't charge. So we weren't doing them at the Shangri-La in Makati or anything like that. But we were doing them in nice places. But they were quite small. They were quite boutique hotels. So the hotel didn't know what the hell was going on. Extra security guards were called in for it from the hotels (laughs) from the area. They were sort of calling in reinforcements from other establishments. And it all became a little mad. Uh, But in the end, everything was cool and everything. But it was the last time we did it because we were a little bit concerned, quite frankly, to be honest, for my safety. Um, And I think from, from a foreigner perspective i lived in the philippines for 18 years i never ever ever had a single problem living in that country i love the philippines i love the filipino people but as a foreigner doing business over there you do have to be quite aware of the fact that from time to time certain situations can become a little bit of a concern and uh, i had to pull the plug on on doing those kind of quote unquote public appearances as my staff always called them. Wow. But um yeah, you know, I, I love it. And I still actually I was at a conference in San Diego just last week and a Filipino virtual assistant who lives over in the US now um came up to me and, and was like, you know, can I get a selfie and all this sort of stuff. And that was cool. I'm all about that stuff. But we had to uh we had to slow it down locally in the Philippines. Fantastic. See, nowadays, yeah. you, you probably would have live streamed that. It would have been a great YouTube video, wouldn't it? I think. I guess it probably you... would have been great. Yeah, I mean, we're talking a good few years. That was probably, what, 2000? I'm going to say probably 2012, 13 that we did that. I think that something along those lines. Maybe maybe a little later, but not much. Not much. Yeah. Great. Well, so look, Chris, what I want to do is just go through your kind of entrepreneurial story, starting with how you... Because it's interesting, you've just come back to the UK, so it's kind of a good, a good story arc why you went to Cebu in the first place and finishing mm-hmm. with why you went back to the UK. And then we'll, we'll, along the way, we'll discuss because you put on some really interesting uh, events, uh, one of which I hope to attend this, this year. So how did it, like, what was the story? How did you end up going to Cebu in the first place? What was the reason? I, I, I mean, it was just business, plain and simple. I was headhunted in London. I got offered a job with a position with a bank over there to go in and train Uh, their kind of credit card and personal loan agencies and things like that. You know, the thing with the Philippines is there's a lot of different banks and there's a lot of different opportunities for those banks, particularly with credit cards and loans and that sort of type of car loans and things like that. Um, But they're all fighting for the, or they were all fighting for the same customers. There's only so many people, obviously, that have decent enough credit to, to, you know, to, to become approved for those kind of things. So there was a lot of competition on the agency front where accredited agencies of the bank, they weren't bank employees, but accredited agencies um, of the bank were kind of fighting for the same customers ultimately. And I was kind of brought in to train those agency owners up and their management up to do it in the right way and kind of respect boundaries and guidelines and things like that so that they could all work well together instead of trying to, you know, kill each other's businesses. So I initially came in for that. And then a couple of years later, I opened up my own consultancy, which was kind of more managerial C-level executive type consulting, which then very quickly morphed into the call center, Live to Sell, which obviously you've been in the same building because it was in the same building as Location 63, which is now the Virtual Star Finder office. Um, And uh, yeah, it kind of just grew from there. You know, I mean, we're we're 13 years in now, I think about 360 or so um, you know, employees full time in the Philippines and, and still doing very, very well. But I worked hard to remove myself from the day-to-day running of the business because I didn't want to be stuck. Definitely. That was in back in 2013 when I was there. You were, doing, you were doing your whole video series about becoming a virtual CEO, et cetera. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, you know, that, that became 
really my focus is to build a business that was kind of based around me and my expertise, but not reliant on me. Now, and I, it's still what I do now. You know what I mean? Definitely. Well, I want to ask you a little bit because because what I find interesting about you, and tell me if you disagree, is like, I mean, it, it's kind of I, I think it's a compliment to you that you've got this big business lift to sell, and like I, I know it exists because I've been to the office. I, I did a you know my podcast interview with Dan Andrews was up in there in the lift cell, but, but you don't really talk about it. And there's a lot of other people who are the opposite of you. You know, they, as far as I can tell, they've just written a book and they say they're, they say they're an entrepreneurial expert, but as far as I can tell, they've just <laughs> written the book. Whereas you actually do have a genuine business with, you know, that, I, that I've witnessed with my own eyes um, and you don't really talk about it. And it, I, I wonder why that is. Well, to be honest with you, it's it's because generally it's completely removed to anything that I do online. Like that business is very much a B2B business right b2b so it's it's corporate you know it's 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 big corporations that we work with we you know the 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 absolute minimal amount of uh you know hiring in terms of the employees that somebody will have us you're gonna have a minimum of 20 people needed from live to sell to ultimately work with us whereas you know the majority of work that i do online which is the stuff i i love it's my vocation to help business owners grow their business and solopreneurs grow their business it, you know, they don't have the need for 20 full-time employees to sure. be answering the phone and things like that. So I, I, it's not like I hide it. I mean, it's there for the taking. You can, you can find out about it pretty much anywhere if you sort of Google sure. me properly. But um, I, I don't talk about it because it's not relevant to the audience that I serve online, really, yeah. to be honest. And it's really that simple. That's that's really interesting. So so how do you how do you start that business? Obviously, you know you work for the bank, did some consulting. I mean that must have been a big step. I think the, the term is BPO, isn't it, in the Philippines for these kind of organisations like business yeah, so, process outsourcing. That's right. Yeah, and the BPO industry has been booming for well over twenty years in the Philippines. You know, outsourcing is nothing new. It's been around for decades and decades. You know, you have the small businesses that will outsource their IT management or their accounting or their payroll. It's it's nothing new. It, yeah. Outsourcing is a as a as a as an industry on its own has been around for a long, 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 long time. But in the Philippines, it really kicked off in the mid to late nineties. Um, and I came in, you know, mid two thousands or early two thousands rather. Um, and you know, from the consulting side of things, I was helping people set these places up yeah. and I was getting paid quite royally for it. Um, and because of my local contacts, which, you know, runs everything from real estate brokers to lawyers um, and, and, you know, corporate attorneys and that sort of type of thing, I could do it. I, if you were if you were to say potentially a lot of our clients back in them days were American, they would come in and they said, right, we want to establish a base here. What's the best way to do it for our corporate structure in the United States where we don't have to pay too much tax, you know, tax locally, but we can get the benefits of the very talented work, you know, workforce, et cetera, et cetera. And I would sit down, you know, within a few hours, I would know exactly how they needed to set it up and if they wanted to hire me it would cost x amount of dollars um and i did that for a whole bunch of people and before i just turned around and said to myself hold on wait a minute why don't i just do this myself yeah yeah (laughs) because i know i i know needs to be done in pretty much every you know every area of the business why not just give it a go myself so i did and um we almost went bankrupt six months uh, later so clearly i didn't know much uh in regards to the day-to-day management but i knew how to set them up you make some good hires, you make some good decisions, um, you save the business like we did, uh, and then you focus in on what you're really good at. And for me, that was attracting strong prospective clients into our ecosystem, um, which I could then ultimately either via the 
phone or via getting on airplanes and meeting them at conferences and things like that, obviously bring them on board as paying customers. And, uh, you know, I did that right the way through to probably 2000, I'm going to say probably 2014. Yeah. I was very active in building, 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 building the business. And then eventually we decided that I was going to take my foot off the gas and other people were going to do it for me. And that's what's been happening ever since. Fantastic. Just to step in here quickly to mention our sponsor, EventsFrame, a project I'm co-founder of, and I want to mention our integrations, which we believe are the best available. Firstly, payment integrations. You can connect any payment gateway, such as Stripe, PayPal, Braintree, or even bank account or take cash. You can connect everything to EventsFrame. We also have the best marketing integrations out there with every email marketing system, including MailChimp, Zapier, Infusionsoft, Aweber, Drip, and we've got deep integrations with all the social media platforms like Facebook, Google, and Twitter. We've got thousands of events live on EventsFrame right now, ranging from small community meetups to huge trade shows and conferences. Check it out over at eventsframe.com. That's E-V-E-N-T-S-F-R-A-M-E.com. Now, back to the interview. It's interesting, you know, because both of us know a lot of people in the kind of, you know, digital nomad kind of location independent business area and, and I'm kind of a little bit like that I mean I, I'm, I'm like you I'm, I'm trying to build a business I can run from anywhere but like when you mentioned about living in Cebu you know you had the contacts with the lawyers of real estate you know and I, I'm like that in Prague you know I've, I've been in Prague for 15 years now and there's a lot to be said from having that knowledge I mean me and my wife would you know over that time you know we've, we've had a lot of false starts like you and it, it's, it's people like you and me have been around the block you know it, it's never a linear story of success you know but um but, you know, but we've bought a few properties because, like, we've got the local knowledge. We've spent a lot of time there. We know if something's a good deal. We know we've got, you know, like you said, lawyers and things. That's an interesting – it's kind of a bit of a tangent, but it's an interesting side point. Having – spending a lot of time in a place, you do get an advantage. It allows you to potentially do good business there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's get on. So obviously, um, you know, you, you transitioned from being the virtual CEO. You wrote a great book called Virtual Freedom. And was this about the right – the time you ran – because what I was really interested in, you ran a, you ran a tropical – retreat a few times called the tropical think tank you may even want to mm-hmm. do it again and i'm curious did that did this come around the same time because i'd like to talk well, that, a little that, bit about that event that book was actually launched at the first tropical think tank in march 2014 yep. um and it, it was due to come out worldwide in april and uh yeah ultimately we we got a we got a box i think of 100 books or something sent to the philippines from the united states um for the very purpose of basically letting everybody walk away with a copy of the book uh, as a gift when they left the conference so yeah i mean it was 2014 the first tropical think tank we did four of them year after year after year how did did that come about oh man cocktails (laughs) uh I mean, I joke, but literally, that's how it came about. We, I was in Portland, Oregon at a, at a conference over there, and I was at a bar one evening after having dinner with good friends like uh, Amy Porterfield and Pat Flynn. Um, uh, there was a whole bunch of other people, Caleb Wildjet, Greg Hickman. There was a whole bunch, John Lee Dumas. Everyone was there, basically, within our little circle. We have a circle of friends which kind of goes at about maybe 10 or 15 people where – 
a phone call is all that's needed and we'll be there for each sure. other kind of thing. Some relationships within that circle are tighter, obviously, than others. Myself and Pat uh, particularly have become very, very close friends. He's the godfather of my daughter. I look at his two kids as my, my niece and my nephew, literally. So there are kind of like, you know, little mini clicks within yeah. the bigger click. Uh, but that core group were basically all hanging out there, enjoying some cocktails. And um, I just turned around and said, you know, like, you, you guys are terrible friends. You know, you're awful friends. I come over to America at least a couple of times a year. Uh, we hang out. We, we laugh. We clink glasses. And not once, not once have any of you ever come out to the Philippines. Not once. Not even just to say hello. Yeah. And I, th I think I just kind of bullied them into submission. It was, it was Amy Porterfield that said initially, probably fueled by one too many cocktails, I'll come out to the Philippines. And so um, everyone else, oh, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And they might have forgotten it that by the next morning, but I hadn't. Yeah. And so um, what started, honestly, as an idea, on, in all seriousness, was for a whole bunch of us, basically, to get together in the Philippines for like a two or three day mastermind retreat. Just us. Yeah. Uh, all our businesses at the time were all pretty much at the same level and we were all in a really nice, you know, upward trajectory at the time. Um, and uh, we were like, yeah, that would be great. Let's get together and do that. And then when everybody got really serious and started confirming it, I decided I was going to turn it into that plus a live event for, a, you know, a relatively small group of people uh, to come and hang out and learn from all my smart friends. And so it turned it turned into a full blown kind of three or four day event. Um, we had a lot of fun, a lot of memories, a lot of relationships were formed. And uh, we never anticipated doing it again, to be very honest with you. But we had such amazing feedback from the people that did pay money to be there that clearly it was something that people wanted and needed. And we decided to put it on like I said, four years in a row. And, uh, and, that, kind of a, and that kind of event, I mean, I, was, I, was, I had Jim Shumko on the podca podcast and he has his circuitry, which I guess is a similar model. He goes to the Maldives and you get a bunch oh, of well, people. He, he, he got that model from Tropical Thinking. I'm sure I think he did, James, yeah. I think James spoke at our uh, second event or possibly the third. I can't remember. I think it was actually the second event he spoke at. Um, and I mean, he, you know, he turned around and he was at the end, he was like, man, you you've done this right. Like this is clearly something special here. So I'm pretty sure he, he, he got the initial inspiration for that, um, you know, from, from our event, but he's turned, you know, what I love about James is, and, and, you know, I respect him greatly is that he, he just took a very simple idea for himself and then started building on it as well. And I love the idea of the boat and the surfing and all the rest of it. Although the idea of, um, being on a boat for a week scares him bejesus out of me I don't that. not that i'm scared of the ocean or anything but an entire week no 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 thank you yeah yeah no i i, I love surfing so for me to be paradise but but i'm going yeah these kind of events i guess for anyone who's thinking to do one i guess it i mean you need a strong brand and audience to put this on because it's quite a high price point i mean yes. it's obviously not your primary way of making money but it's, it's got to no. be profitable you know you, you rented out a nice resort in, in mactan i believe in the philippines but I, I, I could you think could someone replicate this without a big audience or do you already have to be a bit established It'd be tough. It would yeah. be tough. I mean, you know, no matter how amount, what amount of money you'd throw at, pe you know, pay per click or whatever, or Facebook ads or whatever, it, it it would be tough. I think because because it was a high ticket price, it was you know four grand on average per ticket. Yeah. Um, a little bit less if you got in early. A little bit more if you had to buy in late. Uh, but I'd say an average of four k uh, yeah. to get there. Plus, obviously, your ticket. 
you know, I mean, we would pretty much take care of everything after then. But yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, it's a, it was a five or six grand investment for anybody. Um, and I think for anybody to make that investment in an event that you are running, you need to have a solid following. You know, they need to know, sure. love and trust you before they're going to part with that kind of cash. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it would be hard for someone to just come out of the gate and do it. Um, not only from, uh, you know, selling tickets, but also getting the right kind of speakers there yes. as well. You know, it's 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 very hard to convince people to come to an event that's never taken place before um, as it is, let alone if you don't have a proper relationship in place with, you know, the right kind of people. Definitely. That's 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 very interesting. Now, any plans to run it again? Or was that something that kind of you had a good good life cycle of a few events and, and you, you, you kind of put it into the sunset? Um, I mean, it's been sunsetted. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I never say never. And um, as we all know, the sun also comes up every day, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, as well as going down. So, you know, the reason why we put it to sleep was because, you know, we knew we were going to be moving back to the UK in 2018. We knew that we wanted to kind of hit the ground running doing that and therefore decided to hold the first Upana Summit in November 2017. Um, and so it, it, it just wasn't, we, we, the last one that we did was in March of 2017 and we just knew it was going to be tough to do the summit in, in November, 2017 and another tropical think tank, even though we were in the Philippines still, uh, in March of 2018, it was going to be tough. It was going to be tough logistically. It was going to be tough from a timeline perspective and also from, you know, a speaker pool perspective sure. as well, because you've only got so many people that you can call on to come and speak at your events. And if you've got two events where you need, you know, 10 people here and another 10 people yeah, there, that's yeah. 20, that's 20 favors ultimately that you are kind of calling in within the space of 12 months. It's a lot harder to do that than it is just 10 every year. You know Definitely. what I mean? And, and that's a good transition from kind of you being the outsourcing guy to you being the, the personal branding guy. And I'm curious, like, was this a gradual transformation? And I mean, in my mind, I'd imagine it's because, you know, you've, you've got your lift to sell. You've got a kind of business that's generating money. You know, did that give you like the freedom and time to think, what am I interested in? I'm interested in branding or, or was there another reason you kind of made the move into this direction? No, I mean, it, it was happening anyway, very kind of silently kind of behind the scenes without me even knowing, to be honest with you. I mean, when I look back on it now, retrospectively, quite clearly, obviously, I can see it unraveling in terms of the online following growing the, you know, the email list growing, the money coming through Virtual Star Finder, you know, Tropical Think Tank growing quite nicely, the call center still growing, the book deal coming along, the keynote invites coming along. Clearly, I was building a personal brand anyway. I just wasn't hyper aware of it yet. Right. Um, but I think going into 2015 and particularly late 2015, when we launched the Upener Academy, um, Man, we had like 300 people sign up in a week. Now, what's what? So, the Upreneur Academy was your first event with, in this kind of brand. Is that right? Well, not event. No, I mean, this was the well, the, 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 the member, the membership. Yeah, got it, yeah. got it. Yeah. So, you, yeah. so, you, so you launched so that with the, 300 people. Wow. Yeah, I mean, within pretty much like we, we had 200 people within 24 hours of opening the doors. It was wow. ridiculous. And clearly, clearly the personal brand element of everything related to what I've been doing online up to that point became quite apparent. And that's when we doubled down 
on my own personal brand and building that out um, because it was going to become something that was going to be, you know, be more and more and more important as we continue to grow that brand as well. And so, you know, you kind of double down on it. Even bigger keynote opportunities come along. One minute you're in Vegas, the next minute you're in Sydney, the next minute you're in New Orleans, the next minute you're at Google's offices in London. I mean, it, it got a little bit out of control, no. <laughs> if I'm to be honest with you. It was too much traveling and all the rest of it. But it was quite clearly the personal brand that was working above and beyond everything else. And so I doubled down on it and I, I discovered that I really enjoyed the ever moving, ever growing element of building that personal brand. And more and more people started coming to me to want to know how I had done it. So we, we went straight into it. We niched right down and now Youpreneur is focused hundred percent on helping personal brand entrepreneurs, such as authors, speakers, coaches, consultants, and that sort of uh, kind of positioning uh, into building future-proof businesses. Wow. Like, the problem with talking to you is, this, as you're talking, there's like 10 things I want to ask you about, to 10 different directions. One thing I want to pick up <laughs> on, you, you talked a lot about the, the keynote speaking. We've got now. 12 minutes. We can, go 12 one, minutes. We, Just, we, we can go one question per minute. <laughs> exactly. Exactly right. No, um, keynote speaking, like, what, like, was that really useful for you, I mean, I know people who, who take every opportunity to speak, and I know people who never want to get, get on a plane. Like, I mean, like you've done a lot of things. You've done, you've done a book, you've done podcasts, you've done YouTube content. Obviously, speaking like is is the speaking up there in terms of like how it's helped you get where you are today? I mean, I imagine the book is as well. Like, is well, how would you like rank these things, or do you need to do all of them? I, don't, I think you do need to do all of them if you're building a personal brand. I don't think you can do just one thing and expect that to grow because I don't know a successful keynote speaker that isn't an author. And I think that the, uh, certainly the book helped me get on bigger stages. I'd been speaking for a while, but I didn't actually get my first real keynote invite until the book came out. Right. And so, and, and that was with uh, Darren Rouse's uh, pro blogger event in, in, in Sydney. No, it wasn't in Sydney. It was in, was it in Sydney? No, not Sydney, Melbourne on Sunshine Coast, yeah. one of those beautiful places in Australia. Um, and then at, at, on the exact same time, I actually flew from Australia over to the US and did three more keynotes at three different events within a few weeks, uh, continuing to promote the event and everything. So the, or rather the book. So the book certainly helps you get more bigger stages, bigger events, keynote invites, that sort of type of thing. Is it, is it really needed? No, but is it a nice to have? Absolutely. Yes. Without a doubt, because it puts you on a stage, which is by the very definition of the word stage, a platform, a, a high platform for you to stand on to address people that have probably never heard from you ever before. Yes. And so, you know, when you're on stage and you're talking about your ideals and your aspirations and your plans and your opinions, people either on one side of the coin love everything that's coming out of your mouth and are convinced immediately that you are somebody that they need to follow and have in their lives or at the exact same time, I call it marketing like a magnet, right? So, yeah. you know, to use a nice little tweetable, attract the best, repel the rest. And that's how I like to build all my businesses and have done quite unknowingly for, for a number of years. But now I've become acutely aware of that. I like to market like a magnet. Right now I'm marketing like a magnet. People listening to this show will either love what I've got to say or they'll loathe it. And sure. that's okay because I don't want or do I need to attract everybody in the universe to what I'm all about. I just need to attract the right kind of people. 
That's fascinating. So let, let's close off with the, the Youpreneur Summit, which is a big conference you run in London. I'm definitely going to be there this year. Like what, you obviously founded your community. Did you have a plan when you founded the community you were going to base it around a big annual event or did, did that come later? <laughs> we did not. No, not at all. And, and I cannot wait to see you at yeah, this no, I'll be there. event. I'm, I'm pumped to hear that you're coming. Um, I, I did not plan on doing a big event. I mean, it became pretty obvious quite early on after we launched um, the Academy in September 2015, it became quite obvious that people wanted something because it was always like, let's do a meetup, let's get together in person, this sort of type of thing. But like I said, you know, we were kind of wrapping up things in the Philippines, getting ready to move back to the UK and all that sort of stuff. And it does. I mean, you know, when you've got a family the size of mine, it takes a while to figure all that stuff out. Um, and, and ultimately what happened was we, I think we just bit the, we just bit the bullet and we just turn around and say, you know what, let's just book a venue, try and sell as many tickets as possible and, and put on a great event. And so I called in some favors with, with speaker friends of mine. We have people like John Lee Dumas and Pat Flynn keynoting a whole bunch of other great speakers. And I said, well, if I'm going to do it in the UK, I'm going to go big or I'm going to go home. Plain, simple. That's what happens when you hang out with lots of American people. You yeah. see, they live their life like that. Yeah. Um, and in England, everyone's like, no, let's start quite small and see what happens. Yeah. And be very, kind of, you know. And it'll never work. work. Everyone's telling you, yeah, it's never going to work. I wouldn't do it. Right, exactly. Right, <laughs> right, right. So it, it was go big or go home. So I decided to book probably the nicest conference venue for an intimate conference anyway in the UK. It's the Queen Elizabeth Center right opposite Westminster Abbey, around the corner from the Winston Churchill statue and Big Ben, right there in the heart of London. It ain't cheap. We took a massive gamble and it paid off excellently for us. I mean, there was no doubt in my mind within probably six to seven weeks of tickets being on sale that we were going to sell out. We did four months before the event. We did exactly the same actually last year as well. And I, without a doubt, believe that we'll sell out again this year as well. So clearly we're filling a void for people. Yep. Um, but it, 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 it didn't come about as a plan. Like we didn't say we're going to launch the membership and then we're going to do a live event and then the book and then blah, 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 blah. It wasn't like that at all. It, it, it was all about the Academy. It's still the core of the community, quite frankly. Sure. Um, and, and, you know, we just love putting on live events. So this is what we do every November in London. It's interesting from a personal point of view because now, you know, with this podcast and some writing, I'm doing a medium and things, I'm, I'm starting to get a bit of a name as someone who is an expert on live events, you know, and I'm even thinking, getting, making a book, you know, Events Empire, how to build your business around live events. And that's the youpreneur thing is kind of on my radar. And I, it wasn't before because before I was a CEO of a business uh, and I didn't, I mean, maybe I could have done a personal brand, but I never saw it as useful. Whereas now, you know, I've actually got a specific area that I'm becoming known, you know, and on a, and in a in a small way, but still in a, in a growing way, you know. And it's this yeah. kind of event is more interesting for me. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, you're you're going to get a whole bunch out of it. No, no, no doubt about it. And everyone that comes to our event, we actually survey everybody afterwards, um, and we've done that ever since the Tropical Think Tank days as well. Um, and we ask people to sum up in as few words as possible what their experience at the Upana Summit was like and there's some people that just use you know like awesome or brilliant or great and that sort of thing but when when you look at you know like how you get those little um 
word kind of bubbles where you see yeah. all the different words that, that people feedback. I can't remember what they're called now, but yeah, cloud, something cloud or something. Word yeah, cloud word or cloud or, or keyword cloud or whatever it is. Well, when we put that together um, as part of our survey, the words life changing come up more than any other year on year on year. And so that's something that we don't take for granted. When someone says this was life changing, like that's a massive statement to make yeah, after yeah. a live event. Like not only did I learn something or network with some cool, but like this thing changed my life. That's huge. That's great. And so we, we don't take it for granted in any way whatsoever. And every single year we bring it harder and harder, both from the speakers on the stage to the experience in the networking hall, the coffee, the biscuits, the masterminding, everything and anything that we do, we try and up our game every single year. Now, there's probably quite a lot of people, in fact, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this who've got kind of a community, you know, on a smaller scale than yours who are looking to run an event. Is there anything, any any tip, any, any like, you know, 80-20-ing this, what's been, I mean, obviously you've got a huge audience, but anything you've, that you would really recommend for someone looking to run their first event, you know, focused on a niche, they've got a community, any, any like, you know, concrete tips you could say? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it, it's got to be relevant to the size of your community, right? Like, I'm blessed to have a good-sized community online and a good following online. So we kind of looked at the numbers and said, well, yeah, we can probably get 400 people together. Let's do it. Yeah. And we did. Whereas if you don't have as large of a following, that still doesn't mean – it doesn't mean that you can't do a live event. It, it doesn't mean that at all. You know, every community wants to be together in person. Yeah. Fact, right? So whether it's just you know 10 people in a conference room with a great buffet lunch – masterminding all day long that's a great in fact that was how i started in 2011 with my first ever live event yep. that was exactly what it was i charged 150 dollars per seat and it sold out in like hours yeah so clearly people are all about being together if they can be but you know you 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 kind of work it out you know slowly but surely and you build it up over time it, yeah it's a good point it's something i i, I do big events small events and every, every size and like I, what I tell people is you've got to put like the absolute same amount of effort in, even if it's 10 people compared to, to 500, you know, you've got to make sure these people have the most amazing time, you know, because the 10 people might become a 20 people and a 50 people and a hundred people event and you can raise a ticket price and you can, you know, maybe you'll get a speaking opportunity. Maybe you'll become friends with people, you know, like the opportunities are, are huge if you do it well. Yeah. Well, I mean, just look at the numbers, right? What, yeah. what are we talking about here? Um, eight years ago, I had 10 people. Now I have 400. So it's, you know, it's times 40 Fantastic. <laughs> over that time, right? So you, you build it out slowly but surely. You do it right for the right reasons, for the right people. Um, and as, as and when opportunity presents itself, you jump on it and, and you grow it slowly but surely. Great. And people can find out about this as youpreneur.com. Youpreneur.com, the exact website for the event is youpreneursummit.com, wow. but you can get there by going to youpreneur.com as well, yeah. Great. Now, now, to close this off, Chris, like we started off by saying you know, how you, why you moved to Cebu in the first place. Why, why did you move back? I'm curious. You know, why you moved back to the UK? Because for me, I would imagine a lot of people didn't even know you were in Cebu in the first place. They just thought you were the online guy. You, know, you could have been on the moon for anyone knew, or, or, or did they know? Um, I think I think most people came to learn that I was Philippines based. Yeah, I think I, m most people that really, you know, sort of followed what I was doing. I think they kind of figured that one out 
pretty quickly in one way, shape or form, whether it be, you know, following me on social or reading the books or whatever. But, uh, you know, we, we came back. It's lifestyle, man. You know, it was purely personal. The business was doing just fine over in the yep. Philippines. There was nothing wrong with it at all. It still lives and breathes without us and, and does very, very well without us. But it was lifestyle. You know, we had two younger kids as well as two older ones. And um, there's only so many beaches you can see in the Philippines before you kind of get beach blindness. Yeah. Um, and to be frank with you, you know, there's as much as I love the Philippines and the Filipino people there, there's not much to do there. You know, there's not many museums, there's not many theaters and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And, you know, when your kids get older, they start asking questions and, you know, that they, they want to experience different things. So we, we decided, Urs and I, that, you know, we come back to the UK and give our kids uh, that kind of childhood, you know, will we be in the UK forever? I don't know. You know, I never say never. You, yeah. you never know. Maybe we will return uh, when we're old and gray and even more wrinkly. <laughs> but uh, right now, we are where we are. You and know? Do you, did you keep a house there? Or did, you, did you go back? I mean, I guess you're going to be going back to keep an eye on the Oh, no, we've got property stuff. over there. No, yeah, yeah. I, I was back there in just February. Oh, and, fantastic. You know, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be back again later this year. And uh, the team is all there. We have, you know, weekly and daily conversations in one way, shape or form. Still very much have a base in the Philippines. And I don't think that will ever change because obviously, this is from Cebu. Um, she's got family and uh, we love them to bits and we want to make sure that, you know, we can, you know, be in their lives as much as possible and have them visit us here as well. So yeah, very much still, we'll always have a base in, in the Philippines. Definitely. And what I found with the UK is it's, well, actually in Europe, because I live in Prague, that it's a great, the time zones are so good for a global business. Because for example, I've got some guys in Bangkok, some guys in Cebu. I talk to those guys in the morning. Uh, in the afternoon, U.S. comes online. I talk to the U.S. It, it, Europe works really well for time zones. Asia is tough because if you're dealing with America, it's the opposite side of the day. It's either early, early morning or late at night. You know? Yeah, no, exactly. And that was the one thing for me in the Philippines. I remember the first time I sat and interviewed Gary Vaynerchuk. It was at 1 a.m. in the Philippines. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, what am I doing here? Yeah, it's worth it for Gary <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, Chris, yeah. look, I know you, you, we're right up to your time. I want to say a huge thank you for coming on the podcast. Tons of, tons of knowledge dropped, a lot of actionable stuff. Uh, anything else you'd like to promote before we close? No, that's it, man. You're doing a great job at sucking everything out of me. So I'm, I'm pumped you're coming to the Upreneur Summit this year. I'll if any of your people want to do likewise, we would love to see them as well, obviously. Sounds good. I'll put a link uh, in the show notes. Thanks a lot, Chris. Good man. Do you want to sell more tickets to your amazing events? Events Frame Event Ticketing has been built to minimize the amount of time it takes to buy a ticket. Result? You sell more tickets. Check out eventsframe.com 